0: Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. We are the show that is bringing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're joined by Dr. Mark Sherwood, and we're going to be talking about something called biohacking. I know a little bit about it, but not a lot. I'm going to be learning along with you, but it sounds very, very ominous and disturbing. And we'll get to that in just a second very quickly. You know, we try to find the best products for you. I love this product. I've been using it. And I'll tell you what, I think if you do no life change at all, you're going to lose weight on this because the CLA, it burns fat quickly. It stores fat slowly. And uh, this Biotrust product, uh, yeah, they list the research at trimwithdave.com. Unlike the federal government, they list their research and they use real research protocols. And I know because I used to teach research at the university level. So um, I highly recommend the product, trimwithdave.com, 51% off and they have money-back guarantee, so if product works or you get your money back. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. It's good, really good to have you back on, um, but I know our time is tight, and I want to get to this topic because I, there's a real threat out there that I think people need to know about, and I appreciate you coming on uh, and discussing it with us. So walk us through, what
1: is biohacking? <laughs> well, Dave, I appreciate it. It's good to see you, and thanks for having thanks. me back again. So biohacking is really a a style of, quote, unquote, hacking our biological aging systems so that we can actually prepare it better to fight, uh, prepare it better to age, prepare it better to defend us compared to what we're doing now, because we know we're in a situation right now with all kinds of mess coming at us, um, quote, unquote, the disease X and all these things, you know, that are predicted out there. We have to begin to go back to restoring function. And when we restore function like this, like I'm talking about, in other words, biohack the system, we are going to see us ourselves, defend ourselves much better for the things that are to come.
0: Okay. Um, on the flip side, i wonder if there's a negative connotation to this, because I know that Yuval Harari from the World Economic Forum said human beings are hackable. Is that somehow related to this?
1: Yeah, he, the, the whole idea of hacking into a system might be akin to hacking into a computer system to take in charge of it, right? We all know that that's a, a, a phrase. The way he's looking at it is he wants to hack in and take charge of the human experience. Okay. Now, look at that. I'm thinking, you know, that is ridiculous. Who wants that? But I think there's probably some unwitting victims out there, Dave, that are not paying attention and are not really um, – Awake to understanding what's happening in our world. With that said, our purpose with this idea of biohacking is to use his terminology to go back where we hack our own system to take charge of our own lives instead of allowing somebody else to take charge of our lives. And frankly, I think the style of taking charge of our own lives is really the spirit of an an American way.
0: All right. Now, I, I know that you've got a lot of experience along this field. We've done previous interviews on medical issues with regard to vaccines and vaccine injuries and so forth. Um, what I'm wondering about is the manifestation of this process. You know, how does one biohack their system for benefit? What does that look like? What are the elements involved?
1: There are a lot. So there's really about seven, perhaps eight categories of things that we look at. Four are pretty obvious that we have to really master. One is nutrition. Mm-hmm. Second is sleep. Third is stress management. And fourth is probably movement. So those things that we have to really master. The things that we don't have control over that we need information on are things like our genetics. We run a genetic panel on every single person. and I look at it like positive things. I want to know what the genes tell me because the genes, Dave, have only changed 2% in 10,000 years. That's all. So when I look at that, it's my past speaking to me in the present to prepare me for the future. I also want to understand hormones. Hormones are like email communication devices in our system. When you lose email communication, you lose the ability to send messages and receive messages from different systems of the body or even we look at like different systems of a company. Then I also want to look at the glycosylation. Of our proteins. And that's a new term for most people, probably even most scientists here in America. It is really these uh, sugars that are on the outside of all of our proteins that facilitate protein to protein communication. There are patterns we look at, patterns that sort of dictate aging process, can foresee disease coming, that can mm-hmm. see systems failing as much as 10 years in advance, which is like, wow. And guess what? We can test that. So we can actually test our biological aging process, speed our biological immune age, and we can actually through through really manipulation of all these areas, we can look at how to manipulate that to make it younger. And then finally, our eighth area, we use peptides. Peptides are short chains of amino acids that are structured together in labs. And we use those things to restore the immune system function, to restore brain function, um, facilitate mitochondrial communication and sort of um, yeah. which is amazing and um, we use them to repair tissues to reduce fat to build muscle very um, immense in their ability to correct things and so you know my wife and i have been on this cutting edge out here for a long long time and um, this is something we're very passionate about we believe that mankind existence if you will is Really accepting the unhealthiness that is and calling it normal. That's dangerous. Well,
0: that's how we're conditioned by the medical industry, so they get repeat right. customers. Yeah, I think there's no question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've looked into with longevity is uh, uh, there's a benefit for all cause mortality with exercise, particularly strength yep. training and what they call zone two training. But strength training in particular, does that factor into what you uh, look at here and what you try to implement?
1: It does. Uh, we believe that strength training should be in every person's life man, woman, child, young, or old, um, and different elements for different ages, of course, and abilities, you know. But we want it three days a week or more. We always believe that that's right. And mm-hmm. of course, we do a lot of structuring and programming of that here. Additionally, we believe that cardiovascular, cardiorespiratory movement, or it's just activity, should be done every day. And we said it like this. It's kind of a funny way to look at it. The only day you don't exercise is is the day you're dead. Movement is life, and uh, lack of movement is rigor mortis. So just move, right? And so some have said, well, Jesus said don't do any work, but Jesus walked. So even walk (laughs) on the day that you call your Sabbath. So no, movement is life, man, and we've seen that uh, correlate with, a great biomarker improvement
0: that's uh absolutely fantastic um with regard to exercise i know about strength training and people should go to max and max yeah. doesn't mean a lot of weight it means what you can do uh but with regard to uh like hit training you know like i do this i do the sled the torque sled and i do that maybe for about 90 seconds and i'm out of breath i mean it's yeah. hard Um, And then there's walking, you know, um, zone one, zone two. What do you tell people about that kind of exercise? Uh, What's better for uh, increasing mitochondria and increasing telomeres and so forth?
1: Well, obviously, um, people that are maybe listening right now might not understand what telomeres are. They're, They're the end caps of DNA. And so the longer you can keep them out there, the DNA, every time it breaks, it, it sort of gives them ability to repair. I look at them like shoelaces, you know, the little shoelaces we used to have, the plastic ends. Yeah. If, you, if you get the plastic end off of there, it'll begin to unravel and shorten. Um, believe it or not, there's a peptide out there that will help ensure telomere length. It's called epithalin. epithalin. That's a good one. I use that quite a bit. Um, but again, the mitochondria is a unique um, organelle. When you actually exercise that being an energy producer, energy being ATP, it will gather mitochondria together and actually fuse. It says, This mitochondria can only produce this much power. Let me get a help, mate, and I'm going to join them and we're going to fuse together to make them bigger. So the body has this ability to produce more energy upon energy demand, which is kind of cool. And obviously, if we don't put out energy, well, the mitochondria has no reason to fuse and it 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 creates fission. It divides them out a little more. So when I look at exercise or even movement in general, I even simplify it like this. I take 180 minus your age equates to your anaerobic threshold. Anaerobic threshold is above that zone, whatever that number is. Let's say you were 50 and 180 minus 50 is 130. Anything above that would be anaerobic, meaning without oxygen. Below that would be aerobic, meaning with oxygen. And then I look at the whole week's worth of exercise and I want about 80% in the aerobic mode and I want about 20% as a general rule in the anaerobic mode because if we stay in the anaerobic mode too too much, we're not actually able to utilize fat tissue as fuel. We can't break it down because fat tissue requires oxygen to break down. So we have to have the aerobic to break down the, the fat tissue. So we need both. And of course, the better we can do both, the more it improves our heart rate variability, which gives our, ourselves the ability to withstand the stressors, the ups and downs of life.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that I've, because I'm trying to increase my lifespan. So I've really researched uh, yeah. the exercise part of it. Uh, what about the sleep? I mean, I know what I've taught when I was uh, teaching psychology, among other things, we talked a lot about sleep and sleep research. But what I found, Mark, was the variability of the need for sleep. Yeah, It's really, really broad. So what would you tell people generally?
1: Generally speaking, the body goes through about four sleep cycles in a healthy phase. And those mm-hmm. sleep cycles take about an hour and a half and right. about a 15-minute transition between one and the other as a general rule. Um, but people go through things differently. Uh, as we age, I do know this, the pineal gland, which is kind of the third eye kind of shrink and we produce less melatonin. Right. Um, therefore when you get about, about 40 years old, I always tell people, Dave, go ahead and take melatonin. It's not going to matter, you know, cause that is anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and even anti-cancer. A lot of these cancer patients today to treatment, given them, they're giving them high dose, 50, 100 milligrams of melatonin. That's fascinating because there's a a receptor that's called the NLRP3. It's a receptor that triggers what's called the inflammasome. And even back during COVID, people were using melatonin back then in the know to really help destabilize that trigger so it wouldn't trigger so much inflammation. So it's about six to eight hours as a general rule. For most people, and again, some might need more, some might need less, depending on your age, um, you know, growth aspect of your life, male or female, it does vary. But I, I tell people to, to make it emphasis on quality of sleep. And then you might. You know, consider some of these little gadgets that sometimes can help. My favorite little gadget to make your sleep is this. Uh, I like an aura ring. I, I think it works kind of cool. Um, that's O-U-R-A. I have no interest in them financially, but it does work. Um, but that measures heart rate variability, body temperature, which can affect sleep. Um, the light, you know, that we see like on the computer's TV. Emits at 5,500 Kelvin, and that can affect sleep in a negative way. So yeah, exactly. Don't, don't be afraid to get blue blocker glasses and and uh, turn down the temperature. You know, to like 65, 7 degrees yeah. in the in the night. Cooler yeah. the better. Darker uh, the the blinds, the you know the drapes, all that is better as well. All right. You brought up
0: the temperature aspect. There's a lot of recent research now on improving health through cold showers. Is that yeah. part of where you're going with that?
1: Well, it, it does, because one thing about cold showers and even cold baths or, or cold plunge, whatever you want to do it, is really about stimulating the body to adapt more brown fat, which is more mitochondrial-dense fat. And that's that's really cool when you think about it, because brown fat is more mitochondrial-active, mm-hmm. more metabolically active. Therefore, it doesn't accumulate as the yellow fat. And so it's interesting how that you can take the cold shower. And another thing it kind of does, it can facilitate healing because the cold shower will cause us to pull our blood inside to keep us warm. You know, it'll pull it in there. That's why we shiver sometimes. But as soon as we get warmed up, that blood is released. Boom, back out to the periphery. And we know that healing occurs with blood flow. I would assume that would have some
0: long-term effects on uh, anti-stroke prevention, heart attacks. Uh, is Is that... Yeah, application.
1: It, it would, as also you would see some application even on the other end with the maybe an infrared sauna as well, because that can do the same thing. This this microvascular improvement with the mitigation of these things called free radicals is a mm-hmm. very important process because we know that if we can keep our cells healthy and our vessels healthy, we keep life going. But when those things go downhill and begin to become um, senile, such as a senolytic kind of cell, mm-hmm. um, that becomes a cell that does no good anymore as way to die.
0: Well, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Now, diet, you, we could talk forever on diet. Yeah. So if, if you were to give some silver bullets here to people in the short amount of time we have, what would you tell them about their diet with biohacking?
1: Well, I'd say don't diet um, because diet is one of the things that sort of limits us. It gets us thinking about what we can't have i just had a person in my office today recently that i was saying don't diet it. and her eyes got big because she'd been taught of foods that she shouldn't eat and so i look at it as abundance i give people a broad list of what i consider anti-inflammatory foods and no, no kidding dave i tell him, i don't care how much you eat just have as much as you want and if you get hungry eat more if you fine. If you do want to eat, fine. And that allows them to sort of be able to have this abundance mentality once again and focus on what they can and should do as opposed to what they shouldn't do. Um, Silver bullets within that, and this is true for everyone out there as a general rule if you will do this. You know, look, the obesity crisis, the, the diabetes crisis, the cardiometabolic crisis is terrible in our country. It's horrible. It's the worst it's ever been. But if everybody will do this. What I'm getting ready to tell you, it will provide benefit. Good, clean, healthy proteins, proteins that fit the bill of well-caught, free-range, you know, hormone-antibiotic-free, et cetera. Good fats, coconut, olive oil, nut oil, um, um, even something like um, coconut oil is also good if I didn't say that, right? And so it's also good to have good plants. Now, the plants is a, is a trick bag area. But most people need to eat a lot of above-ground, non-root vegetables. You can pretty much have as many of those as you want, too. Mm -hmm. If you go below the ground, you got to be careful. If you go below the ground, do it sparingly. If you have excess adipose in the frame, avoid that for a time. And then with fruits, if you'll keep the fruits about two servings a day, no more in a half-cup quantity, no more than that, You'll always put yourself in a pretty good position with that platform to not raise blood sugar too much, to not raise insulin, and therefore put yourself in a non-fat gain um, situation and even in a fat gain-resistant situation.
0: Interesting. You're triggering a lot of thought in me here, but uh, probably go down details that we don't have time to broach. You, uh, One other thing you brought up here, and, and I, I used to teach a lot about psychosomatic illness and, you know, stress-beating strategies. Um, and you mentioned that as one of the protocols. Um, I, I know, well, actually, too, I remember reading a lot of documents here that show that stress is the big killer, the manifestation of the biological causes of death. Um, Agreed So so, what would you say generally about stress Is it about changing your stinking thinking Or what would you say Yeah
1: um, this is what we've done here we, we redefine stress from a noun to a verb and, and this is interesting It is Stress then under a verb Would be an action you take In response to life's expected Or unexpected occurrences So it's a decision you make In regard to what you face your decision is this. When you drive down the road, if you get in a, a traffic jam, you're late to an appointment. You didn't. You can't fix that traffic jam. But your choice is how you respond to that thing. Yeah. That makes it an action. Therefore, you can hit the steering wheel and get pissed off and drive the cortisol, drive the sympathetic nervous system. Or you can say, man, look, um, this is a divine delay. I need to just chill out maybe be quiet for a little bit, and therefore activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you start to begin to redefine stress as a verb instead of a noun, it kind of puts the ability on you to begin to allow it to be controlled. In other words, we make the decision on what we do to life's occurrences. And if we just typically breathe, think, breathe, and think again before we act, we generally make very good decisions that are not just simply reactionary.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Count to 10 is a really good piece of advice. Yes. Um, you said something in there, though, that triggered, you know, I'm a Christian and um and i'm trying to condition my mind to think that god puts obstacles in our life for a reason and that we have to know it's part of god's plan trust in the lord and focus on what you can be grateful for as opposed you know focus on what you have versus what you don't have uh and it really has its basis in what psychologists call rational emotive thinking um yeah. Yeah, or rational emotive therapy. So replace the negative thought with the positive thought. Do you have – I know that you're involved in biohacking. Do you offer counseling services that teach people
1: those uh, psychological skills? Yeah, that's exactly what we do, and and even people in our Christian base, as I am as well, I use the temptations of Jesus, the three of them in the, yes. in, the in the desert. This is classic, you know. Yes. Uh, first of all, he's hungry for forty days, man. Come on, that dude is famished, man. <laughs> and you know, and Satan tried to get him to focus on the solid things of the world, or that, and he wanted him to turn that rock. And this is like symbolic of turning the rock of the Holy Spirit into the temporal things that provide temporal comfort, the bread. But Jesus didn't focus on that, man. He took it and focused on what he was great for. Man does not live by bread alone, but every yeah. work, of the, work of God. So he did exactly what you just talked about. And these principles are aligned. The second temptation, if we know, is took him up on the top of a big old temple and says, jump off, your angels will catch you. Well, that's false grace. You know, it's like, do anything you want and God will forgive you. Again, that hyper grace is also taught. So we, we teach people there are consequences for our choices. Don't tempt fate. Trust God. And then the third one was obviously the pull him up on a high mountain. Here's all the riches out here. I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship me. That does not simply mean that you call Satan your Lord. That means you don't call Jesus your Lord. That's what that is. And it's really an interesting thing because fame, money, riches, wealth, influence are addictive. And they get us focused on the things that they think we can buy our way out of sickness, buy our way out of unhappiness, and that doesn't work either. So we talk about all these things that if we master this physical health piece that we have, that's very much of a spiritual, emotional uh, involved component because they are all one. Life is challenging in itself, but you'll get through life better. You'll become more resilient. You'll learn through life better. You'll earn and learn lessons. And over the course of time, you'll mature. And that's all I care about, you know. I can't yeah. guarantee a person longer life, but I can guarantee him this: a higher quality of life within those years. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: we can't help accidents and random occurrences, certainly, but but you will increase your life if you follow a lot of the things you're saying yeah. here. And and I really, you know, I, I go back to my training um, as a therapist. And we talked about an integrated model, and I came up during that time in my training where integrated model was everything. And you're really hitting on this because, I'll give you an example. If you do a random act of kindness, you get biochemical reactions like serotonin in your brain, and and that really enhances your physical well-being and your emotional level of happiness. But that's a stress management tool but it also provides energy to the person and that can lead into a desire to be active physically. I mean, what I'm saying is what I'm seeing in your model here is a lot of integration. Now you mentioned the the core items there. Are there other ancillary items that enter into this uh, picture of health?
1: Well, there is, I mean, we have a lot of different testing modalities that we do that can be structured in there, but those eight areas I talked about at the opening are the eight sort of um, windows, if you will, that we're really are going to go into, and and you mentioned something very key. We make it we're overt about this. The idea of connecting the physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and financial—that's mm-hmm. life, man—and and really an integrated mindset. We um, we failed as as a society because we go to the financial counselor for our financial wellness, we go to the counselor for our emotional wellness, we go to the church for spiritual wellness, we go to the gym for physical wellness. It's all messed up. You know, we should be really understanding, and and this is the way it is. If we understand God's principles, He's the healer for all those things, and He provides for all those things. And we really got to get this back in our life again, uh, individually, and and really, Dave. Frankly, as a nation,
0: well, you're exactly right. And, and I look at the fact that uh, Christianity used to be a central theme in every aspect of our life. Yep. Uh, and then they took prayer out of the schools. And then they tried to remove Christmas displays. And there's been a, a real move to divide our spirituality from the other domains that we exist in. And, and I think that's Satan's work. Uh, and it's very clever on his part, but it's, it's what they do. Now, you have a, a center where you're working on uh, this with helping people master these uh, challenges, integrate the solutions together. Can you tell us about what you're doing in terms of working with people?
1: Yeah, um, we're located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're called the Functional Medical Institute. Day, but the beauty of electronics, the beauty of COVID, the good side of things. We work with people all around the country and world now, which is so cool. I think we have twelve thousand people in our pl- base that we're working with right now, and they they get better, they get better, and it's interesting because when people get better. That becomes an infectious testimony, and they tell somebody else about it. You can't argue with somebody's story. That's how our business has grown, and um, all that we do is found at Sherwood.tv. And so we've been able to write books, and we've written, uh, I guess, four number one Amazon bestsellers now. We've produced five movies, and we're always doing something out there to keep this – good kind of going you know and we kind of consider ourselves i got this little wristband on it because hope dealer you know and so we want to always deal hope to people and give them something to hang on to because the world needs hope right now people need hope and if you can light that little fire um it, it might just turn into an inferno of hope inside of somebody you know on
0: the spiritual side i'm going to just make an editorial comment here there are some pastors out there that tell us that God wants us to be as great as we can be and what we were destined to be and that his way will help provide that. If we follow his plan and not our, our selfish desires in the moment, you'll be able to tolerate the obstacles that come and so forth. But our society works at it from the opposite end. They do.
1: We yeah. Really and do. it's that thing. It's that thing about it is, is um, the longer you live, the more stuff you go through. Sure. The more dirty laundry you get in your baggage. And that's just part of life, man. But you can look at the things that you go through, and you can live as a victim. And I've been just guilty of this in my own life. Live as a a victim and always putting the attention, woe is me, so much sacrifices, blah, blah, blah. Right? Jesus could have done that too, perpetual victimhood, but he didn't. A victim perpetuates on those past failures and the troubles they go through. And just that's their conversation. We're seeing our world there, aren't we? A victor, on the other hand, understands that they go through things, but focuses not on vindication, but on the victories to come and encourages people, and And that's what we're trying to do. And I have to work through this every day myself, but you're right. The world's going one way, and, and it's not working very well for us. We have got to begin to switch the light on, and really the true light as we're talking, but switch the light on and begin to, to live in that because ultimately when we do yeah. We're going to see lives turn around. I don't know what's going to happen to our country. I have no idea. But I do know this, that there's people out there just like Dave Hodges everywhere that that are perpetuating sound principles that bring hope and truth. And we have got to connect those type of people together because that is the strength that is the foundation that will keep us going forward.
0: So I'm assuming that a lot of the work you do isn't just individual one-on-one, it's group as well.
1: Yeah, we we'll do group stuff, and, and uh, we get people together. It's a lot of families we deal with sometimes. And then yeah. a lot of times we get called out to uh, speak in different groups, and uh, we love to do that as well.
0: See, that's a very well-founded systems approach where if you change one part of the system, the rest of the system can change. Right. And I and I really like that approach. How do people get a hold of you and say, I want to be a part of what this is, and I want to find out more about it? What can they do?
1: Well, I appreciate that. They can go to Sherwood.tv. And uh, that is a hub for all we do, but we do actually a free webinar once or twice a month. It's usually on the second Tuesday, always, sometimes the fourth Tuesday. The webinars, it's free. People can get on there. We have a topic of a day we teach on, and then they can ask questions in the chat bar. So awesome. it's my wife and I doing it, and then if they like what we do and get their questions answered, they can decide to schedule an appointment at that point. And we have appointments that are set out there in advance for them to get them in within you know three or four weeks which is which is incredibly fast so um you know people can do that and then we have a lot of plans that people can do on their own without even working with us if they want to
0: that is fantastic Sherwood.tv is where you can go to follow mark and mark it's always a pleasure to have you on thanks for joining us
1: uh, Dave thanks man for having me I appreciate you so much thank you take care all right